And they're telling you, Joe, I've given it all, but I'm done. And tonight, we're going to, as we continue with our journey in the book of Galatians, picking up from last week's uh, verses, um, we, if you have your Bible app, please turn to, or your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 6, starting verse 7. This was from last week's study. It reads, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary. This is our verse tonight. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And then jump to verse 17. We're going to be tapping this too. It reads... From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That's false speaking. If we could go to Zoe's uh, um, connected, because it's not done. Okay. First verse. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap harvest if we do not give up. This is Paul encouraging the Christians in Galatia. Do not give up. Do not get tired of doing the good things. What are the good things? Right? For some of us, if you've been in the faith for a while and, and you've been really studying your word, you exactly know what the good things are. But sometimes, and there's a curve, you know, I, I like to see it as a graph. My life as a graphic, it's a, it's a bad stock. If I were a stock, I'm a bad stock because I'm always going up and down, up and down. There's no stability there. It's just, there's a high and there's a low. But most Christians are, are that way. There's a high in our Christian life and then we crash. And then we're stagnant. We're on the flat. We're in the bottom of the market and then you pick up again because you went for a retreat and you got encouraged. And then challenges happen and then you went down again. Your husband irritated you, you know, your wife irritated you, your children gave you, and you're just way down there, and you're done. There is a point where you're saying, what is this faith all about? What is this, Lord, what's this relationship that you and I have? Why am I not, why can't I be consistent? Why can't I be consistent? I'm so tired of trying to do the good things. Well, at the same time, this is the challenge too for us believers. We're doing all the right things as we know it, as the Bible tells us. And then we see the people that don't have faith in God, and yet, for some reason, we, they seem happier than us. They, see, they seem more successful. But we know that they cheated in their tax returns. We know that they did something with their business thing. That they're not honest, but they're, 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 they're getting richer. right? And then here we are, we're walking the straight and narrow with the Lord, but yet... Our life seems to be not improving. And, and, and we know of this husband and that wife that are not faithful to each other, but then they, they, they seem happy for some reason. And here we are, we're both doing the, wrong, the right thing. We're doing Bible studies, we're, we're serving at the church, but then we're always bickering. Right? And then you're, you're wondering, huh, am I serving the right God? Should I stop doing the good things? And Paul somehow tells us right away, you know, don't get tired of doing the right thing. 
For in due time, for in due time you shall reap the blessings, the benefits of your right decisions for God. In due time, folks. For those of you who always answer me when I ask you, you want to serve God in this ministry, and your answer is, in God's time? This is really the God's time right here. Don't give me your Christian procrastination, okay? This is when we say, in God's time. What's in God's time? It is in God's time when He determines. That's when He determines that He will finally answer our prayers. That He will finally reward us for the right decisions that we've been making for Him. That's in His time, not in our time. We can't dictate to Him. I'd love to tell you that you can, but they'll be lying to you. And I'll be leading you to that, that wide and empty road that's just going to lead you to destruction. Paul reminds the church in Galatia, and us at the same time, God through Paul reminds us, my believers, my children, do not get tired of doing the right thing for God. For in due time, you shall reap the blessings of your decisions. Our first point is, wait on the Lord. This is in Isaiah. Isaiah reads, in chapter 30, verse 18, he reads, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Blessed are all who wait for him. Now, here we go again. This is this is you're gonna see, you're gonna hear what I'm about to say as uh, okay. It's gonna it benefits him. It serves him because he's a pastor. But this is where if you don't know who God is, if you don't know who, who our Lord is, then you don't have a good foundation. That's why if you own if you're only enjoying God as your Savior and not your Lord, and you could care less about other things other than your John three sixteen and your Ephesians two eight nine. And you don't know any other doctrine about our faith. And then challenges, right? When challenges happen, you crumble. You crumble because you don't know anything about the Lord. You don't know anything about Him other than dying on the cross for you. Although that's good. Although that's important. But that's not it. You stop there and then your faith crumbles when challenges happen. And folks, Jesus already told us, in this life you will have trouble. But behold, I have overcome the world. Our beliefs, or, uh, you know, the, our title is, don't give up, don't ever give up. You know what? You're going to give up. But there's this one person that will not give up for you. Yes, Jesus. God will never give up on us. And He never gives up for us. And He is powerful, and He is compassionate, He is just. You know, we, we speak about grace here, that we are saved by grace, not by works, Correct? And then we, we take the risk, because the truth is, we take the risk of telling you, after you receive Christ, you have the freedom to do the right thing or the wrong thing. We take that, I say we take that risk as teachers, because some people, like me before, I'll take that as a license to sin. Right? I'm like, huh, I'm just paid for it. All right, party on, dude. Right? But then, what happens? We are free, like what we discussed last week, we are free to make our choices. Whether it's against God's will or for God's will, but we are, if it's against God's will, we are free, we are still free to make that decision, but we are not free to decide the consequences of that decision. You are free to cheat on your wife. 
even if you are a believer. You're free to do that. Unless you're, but you're not free of the consequences because your wife in the morning could kill you. <laughs> right? If your wife is a Filipina, you'll probably die the next morning. <laughs> Murder, she wrote. Or, you know, things can happen, right? The consequences with that will happen. You'll have child support. You'll have problems. You'll have divorce. Your children will, your marriage will crumble. See, you can't control and you have no decision on what's going to happen. The only decision that you have is do you want to do it or not. It's, it's pretty much the whole thing because God is just. He has forgiven us. And he has paid for that sin. But you are not free. We are not free on the consequences of the sin that we do. Sexual immorality, you could get sick. Bad decisions and investments, because you got too greedy, then you become broke. And you start working overtime again, time and time again. Blessed are all who wait for him. Why do we have to wait on the Lord? Why can't he just respond when we say so, right? Why can't, why can't it be like an ATM thing? Right? We punch in the right pin code. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Jeremiah 29, 11, 2911. Nothing. It's not coming out. It's not coming out. Goodness. Lord, you said, if I belong to you, you hear my prayers. Why is this guy's prayer somehow being answered? He just hit the lottery. How come I can't hit the lottery? I can't even hit the slot machines, right? So we play around with God because we don't know who he really is. I bet you, some of you in this room, some of you, you really want to know who God is. Some of you, you know who God is and you're just here because you know him. And you want to be here. You want to hear his word. But unfortunately, some of us here, even though you accepted Christ, you're here to find loopholes. <laughs> I'm finding this out with all the, the, the counseling that I do and the meeting that I do with, with, with folks in this church and some believers outside this church. Sometimes we go and study the word to look for loopholes, the exceptions so that we can continue to live the life that we want to live, not what the Bible says. We focus on the exceptions. Some of us will want to focus on the exceptions. Well, it's saved by grace, right, Joe? So there's really, I mean, holy living sounds legalistic to me. Okay, sure. I said that too. <laughs> Good luck with that. Right? It, it, that's, that's the truth. But we're forgetting that God is just. And then, and then we demand stuff from God. Even our change, even the, our change, even the way we live, we demand God. Lord, I told you, I told you, Lord, that I want to live a consistent life. But you still make me see this guy at work. It's your fault. You should have fired him. So now he always tempts me. Or she's tempting me. Or I still work at the casino, Lord. So now I'm also still gambling. Whatever the struggle is, somehow we push the blame on God. Because He's not answering our prayers quick enough for us. Right? The time that we want. We're forgetting that we're supposed to be the one waiting on the Lord. We forget that. 
So when, when, when it's not happening in our time, what do we do? Well, I'm done with church, Joe. I'm done with church. You know? It's, it sounds so self-serving for me as, as a pastor, but it's really not. I mean, I, if you come here, then good. If you don't come here, then really, honestly, it's, it's not really my loss. It's really the person's loss. Don't you agree? If you don't come to church, if you don't pick up your Bible, if you don't do your study with your word, if you don't really learn more about our faith, is it really my loss as your pastor? Is it really your mentor's loss? Is it really your disciple's loss? It's really you. You're the one who's missing out in getting to know who God is and getting to enjoy the fellowship within your fellow believers and feeling that love from God because we, you know, we represent God. And we're supposed to love on each other. And we miss out on that. We immerse ourselves in the world that's out there. That's, that's, we know this. That's completely the opposite of what our faith is. And we're a new creation. And then we're, we're, we're thinking, why am I so tired? You know, I, I told my kids this whenever, because I let them listen to the music that they want to sing because I don't want to be too strict, right? But then I told, I told, I told Alonzo, I go, you know, so I'm okay whenever you listen to your music, but sometimes if it's too much, I get so tired. I feel tired because I'd rather be listening to praise and worship songs. And I told him, you know, sometimes I'm okay, but not too much. If it's too long, my, and this is just music. And if you're thinking there, you're sitting there, oh, he sounds so legalistic, <laughs> and you don't know me. I'm the biggest bonehead that you'll ever meet some, sometimes. But it just, it's just true. Even music somehow drains me, listening to the worldly music. Much more if you unplug yourself from church. Much more if you don't belong to a church family. Much more if you're not picking up your word. It doesn't matter how many Bibles you have. It doesn't matter how many versions you have. It doesn't matter if you prefer, prefer the, the old school book or the, your audio book or your iPhone. If you could care less about it, it's not going to happen. Do we agree? It doesn't matter what schedule your work is. It doesn't matter what opening that you'll have in the day. If you don't want to go to church, it doesn't matter if you have all the Sundays off. You're not going to be at church. It doesn't matter if you're off in the afternoon and, and there's a, 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 a church in the afternoon or morning. If you don't want to go, you're not going to go. You'll always find an excuse not to do it. And the person that's missing out is you because you're not getting to know who God is. And then all of a sudden, you have stopped waiting on the Lord because now you've, you've come into a thinking, a wrong thinking of who God is and you're just tired of waiting on Him. And you give up. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> I have an illustration here. The illustration here is Mr. Darby. Remember in the time when the, the gold mining was, was the big thing? Mining gold, digging gold. So Mr. Darby, you know, he, he, they got some gold. And, and, but then there was a, a stretch of a, a few months that he couldn't get any more. So he decided, you know, he's a good, good businessman. He decided to just sell his mining equipment to the junkyard person in that town. So the junkyard person bought it. You know, junkyard persons, you know, they call him the junkyard dog. But... He's smart. He asked a, a, a mining expert, a geologist, to see if there's still gold in that place that Mr. Darby was digging into. The expert told him, yeah, there's still gold there. 
So, the new owner of Mr. Darby's equipment, the junkyard guy, Doug, kept doing it, did not stop, and struck gold three feet from where Mr. Darby stopped. Three feet from where Mr. Darby stopped, and they hit gold. Sometimes, folks, we can stop too early before we hit with our faith. Sometimes we will give up too soon with our marriages and not truly hit and find out the gold in our partners. Because, you know, we're all diamonds in the rough. You know that, right? Some of us are rougher than the other person. <laughs> and you know how they make gold, right? They put pressure. That's, there's pressure there. So much pressure. So this is the same with our relationship. Sometimes we quit too soon, especially with the Lord. Sometimes we quit too soon. There's so much, there's so much about God other than just John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8.9. There's so much more about the Lord. There's so much beauty in Him. And you know, we're not denying the trials that we're going to go through, right? We're all going to agree. We all have our own battles, sometimes more than the next guy. But we are supposed to not give up on the Lord because God doesn't give up on us. But you know what? We'll find out later that even if we give up, God is so faithful that He continues to pursue us. And we all know that for when, because the gospel was shared to us many times, correct? Before we accepted Christ. I don't know how many times I denied the Lord before, but I know this few people that I made fun of, you know, when they were trying to share the gospel to me. I was a big bully of Christians before. Not bigger than Paul, but I was a big bully too. But here's an example of a person in the Bible that did not give up on the Lord, that he knew who his God is. But he faced many trials, but despite that, did not give up on the Lord. And this is the life of Joseph the dreamer. If you look here, he was sold by his brothers, his own brothers, to slavery at the age of 17. And at that time, he became Potiphar's slave. And then during that time, because Joseph was a good-looking dude, right? Potiphar's wife, we'll call him, uh, <laughs> no, we don't name her because we might have the same name. She, he, he, she accused him of rape and then was thrown into jail. And then he did a good deed there. At, uh, you know, he still kept doing the good things. He did not stop going, doing the good things in God's eyes and for the people that he was around with. He did not stop, right? He, he interpreted a dream by the cupbearer and the other person. But the cupbearer's promise did not materialize until two years later. But it did not stop Joseph. You see all the trials here that he went through? And then he became the prime minister at the age of 30. 13 years later. So what prayer are you waiting on? Right? From God. And you're still saying it. You're still faithfully lifting it up to Him. And you're still waiting for Him to answer. Unfortunately, folks, sometimes it does take 13 years. And sometimes it takes longer. But I prayed for my mom's salvation. For my family to be saved. My mom accepted Christ. I think last year, around my birthday, which is great. But it took many years before she accepted Christ. 
But it took many years for me to pray. It, I did not give up in lifting it up, but I did feel, felt many times to give up. But it's just, you, we wait on the Lord in due time, in God's time. And then it was, he was 39 when he then saw his brothers. And then he was 41 when he finally revealed himself to them. Imagine the patience on this guy, the discipline on Joseph. That was the longest prank ever. It is me, your brother. Ha, 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 ha. Long time. This guy had a lot of patience before he did the big reveal. And he was him. 24, year, 24 years after God gave him that vision that it was going to happen. It was 24 years. So folks, are we supposed to be waiting on God? The answer is there is yes. We are supposed to be waiting on God. And then Genesis 45, 7 8 reads, But God sent me, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph understood and knew who God is, and he did not give up on God. He waited on the Lord. He did not give up. He was sold by his brothers to slavery. The biggest betrayal ever. He didn't even do anything to them. He was just him. Right? Of course, jealousy was there because there was favoritism, but that's another preaching. But the whole thing is this. He did not give up on the Lord. He did not stop doing the good things. And God delivered him in God's time. In God's time. Folks, what is that battle? that you're wanting to give up on right now? What is that prayer that seems to be not being answered by God? As, as Paul said, we don't give up in doing good. We don't give up in doing good. We, don't, we have to wait on the Lord because in due time He will reward us. Are you wanting to give up on your marriage because your husband's not changing? Are you give, wanting to give up with your, with your marriage because your wife's not changing? <laughs> Don't answer. Especially if you're sitting right next to them. <laughs> because God is the one that will restore. But then you're saying, but, but Joe, it's been 10 years. Well, can you give it 14 more years? Because this says 24 years here. <laughs> Somebody saying no, but, but we're not supposed to give up in doing good because in due time, God will reward us for the good things that we do for Him and for others. We will reap what we sow. The second point tonight is, is being a living sacrifice. In Galatians 6.17, Paul says, From now on, let no one cost me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He was, telling, he was saying this because, again, as a review for all of us, I know we've been in Galatians for a long time, and hopefully you already know this. You went ahead of me, and you already know the study. But this is him saying because of the, the, the false prophets there, or the, the, the false teachers there are calling him as, as somebody who's fake, that doesn't, wasn't really called by Jesus and was teaching false doctrines. So Paul saying, let no one bother me, because I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. 
Now, this is the challenge. This is the challenge for, for the believers that only confess. This is for you. If you're a believer that you only confess Jesus with your mouth and you don't actually, you don't actually live for Christ. This is the challenge right here. We are to present our bodies in Romans 12, 1-2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, I have to repeat what I said earlier. That some of us in this room are really here trying to find out what and how to be pleasing to God. And what God's will is for, for us, right? But some of us in this room is really finding a loophole. Or trying to still be convinced. If you are in this room and you still need to be convinced, if you need to surrender your life to Christ, I hope that you'll see this verse starting with that renewing of your mind. The very first thing for a believer to, for a believer to do in order for us to, to accept this truth here is that we need to renew our minds. And how do we renew our minds if we are not studying His Word? If we only have time for Netflix or Hulu or whatever your preference is, if you only have time for your Facebook or your social, whatever social media platform that you're in, compared to reading His Word and studying His Word, how can your mind be renewed if you know that the world continues to program you and your way of thinking on how you should live this life? <coughs> and just briefly, right? Briefly. The world tells us to what? To be rich. To be famous, to have the nicest things, to be the envy of people. That's why social media is so popular, right? Because it finally gives us, it finally gives us a platform to show off. If we're all gonna be honest. Because before I really needed to be, I, I need to be invited in your house for me to see your pictures. Right? I love those moments when I'm a guest. When the album comes out, oh, you want to see me when I was in high school? <laughs> I did that to Naomi and Ruth, and I'm glad they're still here. I thought they were going to leave the church afterward, after they saw pictures of me before. But isn't that the most, that's when it becomes intimate. You actually need to be really close to somebody to be able to view their pictures. There's special moments. But now it's just, I mean, I found out from John Gossin that I'm friends with the newscaster in, in News 4. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I just click add or accept. I don't even know. But we're friends in the social media forum. But the whole thing is, how can you renew your mind if you are not feeding it with God's word? How can you now, because everything about the world is the opposite of the Bible. It is. The world tells us be happy, be merry, sleep with anybody you want. You only live once. You might as well do it. The Bible says, keep yourself pure. Wait for, the, wait for God's perfect, perfect person for you. God's best for you. Right? 
That's what the Bible says. Stay in your marriage. Make it work. Make God the center of your marriage. That's all good and all during the vows. When everybody's pretty and the wedding dress is on. But then when life happens, right, bills are not getting paid. Oh, wow, that vow was starting to be real. Through sickness and through health. All right? we, nobody told us that, that that's hard to take care of a partner who can barely take care of themselves. Or, or I actually have to forget about myself and actually take care of you here. I mean, I actually need to give you a bath. All right? So there, Jamie told me that when, when somebody's dying of cancer or sick of cancer, that's when the marriages, some marriages break. Because the, the, the healthy party, it's too much for them to take care of their partner. Isn't that the saddest thing? Because all of a sudden, they're not happy anymore. And the Word tells them, oh, you, you deserve to be happy. Why don't you go out with that guy? He looks good. Right? I mean, that's what the advice that you'll get or for, for, for guys. How about guys? We, we, we go to our breaker and we, we complain about our nagging wife. And what does the first guy tells you? Why don't you go to a strip club with me tonight? Kind of just wind, you know, wind off. You know? Go to a bar with me. Let's go to the casino. Unwind. <laughs> I mean, and then you see here that we have to offer our, our bodies as a living sacrifice. And how do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice in this world that continues to disagree with God's word? A lot of it is, has to do with us denying. Denying ourselves of the other things that is against God's will. Don't we agree? That's Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ. For I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live for Him, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So a lot about our Christianity and our life, our Christian life is about denying ourselves, taking a step back from what the world is offering us and denying ourselves. That's how we present ourselves as living sacrifice. You're denying yourself of a good nap right now. You're, and, and you're boring yourself here. <laughs> if I say who the church board is, you can all raise your hand because you're all bored, right? <laughs> it's, you're denying yourself. You're denying yourselves of the beach right now. You're denying yourselves of a trip to California or a trip to the Philippines because you're making God your priority at this moment. I'm denying myself right now of a good nap because I had my family with me for the weekend. And I was telling a few folks here that uh, the best way to get rid of uh, a guest, if you, if you want to get rid of your guest, the best way, Christians, are you listening? Tell them you're going to do a Bible study at church, <laughs> at your house. They'll find somewhere else to be. And then if you really want them to exit out, you tell them, I'm going to church. <laughs> They'll make sure they're out before church happens, especially if you're the pastor. That's what happened to me. But here... <laughs> Going back to the point, <laughs> offer your bodies a, as a living sacrifice. So if you have, in order for you to know what God's will is, your mind has to be renewed by His Word. Your mind has to be renewed by God's Word. So if, don't come to me and say, Pastor, should I marry this guy? And then my next question is, does he love Jesus? And your answer is no. <laughs> but it's God's will. <laughs> 
How is that God's will? That means you didn't read your word. Your word says, do not joke with unbelievers. Oh, but there's an exception, Pastor. <laughs> we focus on the exceptions, not the general rule. It's very cut and clear. You're going to tell me of testimonies. Oh, but there are testimonies of, of people still marrying them, and they became Christians, and they became happily ever after. Well, if we want to be clear, you have to renew your mind, and you cannot conform you cannot conform, cannot follow the world. And then and only then will you be able to truly know what God's will is. That's what it says there. And it also says there that we have to present our bodies, basically our lives. Not just our mouth, not just, not just our Facebook post. Our lives, our lives, our bodies, our lives need to be presented as living sacrifice. God sees Christ in us. That's true. But then we are supposed to live our lives for Him as a living sacrifice. One thing that you're doing as a living sacrifice right now is being here at church and having this fellowship, encouraging one another. Because everybody's going through their own battle. And you, if you're, really, if, you're, if you're really having God take control of you, you could be used by God to encourage somebody to continue to come to church. Or, or to pray with someone that's here. You know, my mom told me that the one true person that really encouraged her to become a believer, and there's many, she had many supporters to, to encourage her to come to Christ. God used many, but there's this one person that she said that really made an impact in her life. And that's Tita Janisa there. Tita Janisa there in the back. Tita Marcy helped there. Tita Rhoda helped there. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> right? But that's, that's everybody. Everybody has some, a part. So how are you? How, how, where are you in this? You have to ask yourself, where am I in this? Where am I struggling with? You're going to struggle in being, presenting your body as a living sacrifice if you have not conf renewed your mind with God's word. You will struggle with that. You will struggle in finding out what God's will is if you have not renewed your mind. I was telling Brother Richard earlier that when I read David and Goliath again, because we were doing our daily reading and our Bible study, one of them is David and Goliath. Now, one part that I saw again the, the, for the first time, because I read it again, I've read it many times, I love it. It's one of my best stories, that uh, accounts in the Bible. You know, David not, did not actually, there's no account there where he, it says, David got down on his knees and asked God, Lord, should I fight Goliath? No, there was no, there, he didn't have to ask God. He knew. David, as a, at a very young age, knew that what Goliath was doing, disrespecting God's people, was not going to fly. And that the Lord, remember the discussion, right? Goliath said, hey, who are you? Am I a dog that you? Come with me, you come to me with sticks. And then David said, You come with me with the with the spear and the sword, but I come to you in the Lord's name, and tonight and today I will. Right? I will kill you. Not exactly those exact words, but that's gangster, uh, David. <laughs> I will kill you, fool. You're going down. <laughs> He's about to go down. <laughs> Test and approve God's will. And this is the marks. Paul saying, 
I carried the marks in my body. Can we also say that? Right? That should be our goal. I carried the marks. You could take your shirt off and you say, I carry the marks of God in me. Don't, don't, don't let anybody you know, threaten me because I carry the marks for Jesus. I belong to him. Just look at what I've done for him and what I go through for him. We should be. Because Paul said, I don't boast about anything. Only, I only boast about Jesus. Right? He went through shipwrecks. He went, he's in, been in prison. A lot of that right there. It says there, let me read a few of them. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. If you're afraid of, of flying like me, Paul was shipwrecked three times. You'd think he'd learn the first time. Ah, you know what? Let me just pray for you. You take that ship. You take that trip. You take that mission trip. But no, he did everything for God. My question to you now is, do you carry the marks of Jesus? What have... Do you carry the marks? Are you a living sacrifice for him? Do you carry the marks for Jesus? Look at this. This is this. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. Oh my gosh. Gone without sleep and continue to continue to serve Jesus. For some of us, we miss church because we need sleep. We're lacking sleep. I know some people here are great, they, they work for uh, on the graveyard shift. So they will cut their sleeping time so that they can be here. Right? Some of us, we sleep here, which is fine. <laughs> right? This is the perfect time to sleep, right? At least you're here physically, and you're hearing the word. Right? But see, he's gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food. What have we been doing for Christ? What have we been doing for the faith? Now, I'm not speaking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship. Do we spend time with the Lord? Do we live our bodies for the Lord? You would ask your children, ask your children tonight, if you, or, or your wives or your husbands, ask them, how do you feel loved by me? And if, if, if your children are like Alonzo, he'll tell you, I love it when you spend time with me. That's the only thing that matters for my son. I love it when you spend time with me. It doesn't matter what we do. You know, it's, it doesn't matter. Don't you think God does the same thing with, for us? He just loves it when we spend time with him. Because there's really nothing that we can do that can please him more. Because he already sees Christ in us. He already sees Christ in us. He's already pleased. Because we carry Christ's righteousness. But yet, He just wants us to spend time with Him. And how do we spend our time with Him? We become a living sacrifice because we're going to deny ourselves of TV time. We're going to deny ourselves of sleeping time. We're going to deny ourselves of friend time. Do you know the saying that the enemy of good is best? All the other things that we can do throughout the day can be good. But it's not the best if it's not spent with Jesus. If it's not spent for God, then you just did the good thing, but you didn't really do the best thing. 
Romans 8.35. It reads, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Somebody said yes earlier. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Everybody knows Philippians 4.13, but not everybody likes Philippians 2.17. Because it says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life. What? No. <laughs> the modern Christian says, what? No. I just like Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What is this? Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God? Just like your faithful servant is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. You think Paul is a sadistic person? That he wants us to also suffer so that he's not, not the only one that suffered? He said that he wants us to, to share with that joy. To offer our lives for God despite the challenges, despite the challenges despite the hardships he said i want us to share that joy i was trying to read this and and i go why why is that a part of our lives as christians because we call ourselves christians we are little christ and christ suffered on the cross for us christ suffered on the cross for us Christ said, if the world hated me, they will hate you. But we, we, we work our lives, we spend our lives trying to be loved by everybody. We spend our lives trying to be, in, to be loved by everybody. My family, like I said earlier, my family, from um, these are my aunts and my uncles, the brother and sisters of uh, my dad. And they know me, they know of me from my, my old life. And boy, did they love talking about my old life. And they just stop there. And they'll just grace a little bit about me being a pastor, but in a mocking way. You know, they'll talk about how stupid I was, you know, whatever it was. They'll talk about it. They'll start laughing. I smile with them. And then they say, don't talk like that. He's a pastor now. It's a testimony. Yeah, it's true. It really happened. But it's just... But there, there's those marks, there's, there's those trials. We need to make a stand for the Lord, right? We need to make a stand for the Lord. And, and my family right now, I'm not very popular with them because I'm making a stand not to go to my, my other sister's wedding. Because I, I shared it before, but my sister is, is, um, is, uh, is, it, is it even politically correct for me to say lesbian? But anyway, um, she is, yeah, she's going to get married to another girl. And um, I'm being persecuted because I'm making a stand for my beliefs. So my whole family doesn't like me and Jamie right now. We're not very popular right now because I'm making a stand for God. But, but we have to. We have to take those blows for God. Our, what is it? Wh why would I go for my sister's approval and my family's approval and, and, and deny and, be, and have my Lord displeasing, uh, displeased with me? Let's continue. I'm running out of time. All right. God is faithful. This is the third point. The biggest reason why we shouldn't give up is because we have to know that even if we give up, God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on us. 
Look at Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen? He who promises faithful. God is faithful. God is powerful. That's why I'm saying we need to continue to renew our minds. We need to continue to go through Bible studies, read our word, spend time learning about our faith. Because the more you know of God, the more you will depend on Him. The more you will fall in love with Him. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said and He, he will not do it? Or has, he, or has he spoken and will not make it good? That's, that's a rhetorical question. Because everything that God said, he has done and will continue to do. And will do. And he has the power to do it. And he has the wisdom to answer the right, the, the prayers that is good for us and the things that are not good for us. And then to comfort us. To comfort us is Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then this is what I was saying. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says that if we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. God cannot change Himself. God is He's, he's never changing. If you are losing faith in Him, but you've surrendered your life, to him before in the past, guess what? He's faithful to continue to pursue you. He will bring challenges in your lives in order for you to bring, bring you down to your knees or bring you to come to church. One way or another, he will bring you back because he is faithful, even if we're not. And if you're going through uh, temptations, and look at this, in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. See, he is faithful. God protects his people if we let him, because we have the free will to resist his will. 1 Corinthians 10.13, for those of us who have fallen, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will give you a way out. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You've already fallen into sin, but God is faithful. He will give you the strength to stand up from under it. And then if you've sinned, look at how faithful God is. And in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Because we know, we know the most frustrating part in, in our Christian life is we know we will fail. If, it not, if not today, later. Right? If not yesterday. But God is faithful. He will always, if we confess our sins, He will forgive us. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Olives? He was in the Garden of Olives, right? And he was, he was asking God, that, Lord, if, Father, if you can let this cup pass, right? But then he said, but let not my will, but let your will be done. Jesus was faithful up to the cross. 
even though he knew what was about to happen to him. And if you think he gave, if he did that, what more to answer your prayer or your need so long as it is in God's will? If you are trying, if you are sincerely in your heart, hoping and wanting, desiring to be pleasing to him, don't you think God will give you and enable you to be able to do that? Next verse. Next verse. There is a verse. Romans 8.32. I, th- I guess I did not uh, put that in. In Roman, Please turn your Bibles to Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32 reads, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's Paul asking the believers, you and me, that if if God did not spare Jesus Christ, for our benefit, What more give us what we're asking for so long as it's according to His will? I have this illustration. (laughs) The heart plant. There's this guy who had heart issues and he needed a heart, uh, heart transplant because with his old heart, he can barely walk up the stairs. So whenever he goes to work, all his co-workers will go up the stairs and he, need, he needed to wait for the elevator to go up there. So the whole time, he always wants to have that, that time with his co-workers going up the stairs and coming down the stairs because they seem so happy. And here he is just waiting at the elevator. Finally, he got the heart, plant, heart transplant that he needed. He now has a new heart. His doctor said, it's okay for you to have some exercise. But you know, this guy, he's so afraid that he would hurt himself. He was so used for so many years to just walking straight, right straight to the elevator and going up and going down. He was too scared to go up the stairs and go down the stairs. So scared that his heart, his new heart will fail. Despite what the doctor said, that it's fine, you can go. And do physical things. You know, believers, we have been given, we're a new creation. We are a new creation. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We have the power to live the life that God has intended for us to live. Yes, for some of us, we are limited in our knowledge on who God is. But God is not limited if we, will, if we are willing for Him to live through us. Amen? Folks, I know the title says, don't give up, don't ever give up. But the, the whole truth is, you will give up. But God never gives up on you. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You for Your message and we thank You for Your time. Lord God, that... Um, this time that you've given us, Lord. I pray, Father God, for your people here tonight. I pray, Lord God, for encouragement for for those who are discouraged, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you place the desire in everyone's hearts here, Lord, for us to 
to want to know more of you and to continue to grow in our relationship with you, Father. And for those of your people, those people of yours that are here, Lord God, who have been walking that straight and narrow with you ever so faithfully, Lord, I pray for blessings for them. I pray for more strength for them, Lord God. And I am pretty sure, Lord God, that they, they too are going through their struggles, Lord. I pray that you just rescue them, Lord. Hear their prayers, Father God. For you said in your word, Lord God, the prayer of the righteous man avails much, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you just hear their prayers. And I pray, Lord God, for those of your people who are here tonight, but yet are taking you for granted, Lord. I'm going to say a hard prayer. But, Lord, I know this is for their benefit, and I pray that this is your will. Lord, I pray that you bring challenges in their lives in order for them, Lord God, to take you seriously. I pray, Lord God, that you remove them from their comfort zones, Lord God, in order for them to see you as the most important thing in their lives, most important person in their lives, Lord. Father, if we are playing church, Father God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord God. Help us, Father God, to be your genuine followers. Help us to be your living sacrifice and help us, Lord God, to glorify you in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're not going to close in, in, in um, we're not going to do the closing hymn yet. We're going to do the Lord's Supper tonight because if, this, if you're joining us for the first time, we do this once a month and this is it. This is our Lord's Supper evening. If I can please have the, the two deacons, uh, our two deacons that are going to help us to pray for the elements. Now let me just give a fair warning um, to everyone that if you have not accepted Christ as your Lord just yet, I suggest that you do not partake of the Lord's Supper. Because you will cast judgment upon yourself. But this is how we remember what it took Christ. It took his body, body to be broken, and blood shed for us to be with him for eternity. So can you put the slide on there? Yeah. There you go. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven to 32 reads, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Let's all close our eyes and, and get our hearts connected with the Lord and confess our sins and be right with Him. In Psalm 139 to 23 to 24 reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead, lead me in the way everlasting. Father, I thank you for this opportunity and privilege to be able to observe the Lord's Supper.
with your people, Lord God, at this appointed time. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins, Lord God. Father, please do not look at our unrighteousness, but unrighteousness, but see Christ's righteousness that is in us. We thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.